Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown Hi, I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to my podcast Conversations of Inspiration I founded my first business, Not on the High Street, at 28 with a newborn strapped to my chest Nearly 20 years on, he's all grown up and I'm running my second business, Holly Co. I've learned so much about taking risks, running a business and some extraordinary life lessons along the way. And I know others have too. Yet despite the wealth of experience we have between us, lessons like this are often left unheard and it can feel like we're travelling our paths alone. So I've reached out to founders and those who simply inspire me to share their hard-earned wisdom with you. My hope is that collectively, these remarkable realisations will help you on your own journey. I like to think of it as inspiration for life. If you enjoy this episode, might I ask you to share it with a friend and to like, subscribe and review it so that together we can ignite people's passion across the UK. Now, let's begin this week's Conversation of Inspiration. This marks one of my favourite moments of the year when I sit down with you, a cup of tea and a mince pie in hand, and I get to take a moment and reflect on the wonderful moments and extraordinary lessons that fearless souls have shared with me in 2023. This year for me personally has been a particularly poignant one as behind the scenes I've been building and launching the Holly & Co marketplace and so hearing these stories of grit and determination firsthand really has been fuel for me over some challenging months. I'm blessed to be surrounded every day by strong women in my life and work. And certainly, if I was to try and hone in on a predominant theme of this year's podcast guests, it's so hard, but I suppose I'd have to say that it's sheer grit that they all possess. The tenacity, the determination, the vision and that incredible founder power or female power, even in the most difficult circumstances, is utterly humbling. Perhaps because of what's been going on for the last year, these have been stories that I've gravitated towards and I've been so keen to share and absorb myself. I think grit is an underrated and an unrecognised personality trait in so many of the wonderful humans that I get to speak with. Often grit is not the sexy part of the story, it's not the big high, nor is it the big crashing low. Grit, however, is the ingredient that drives us forward day after day against the odds to dig in and achieve. It's a constant underlying must-have trait, I think, sandwiched in between all the other parts of the journey that other people might be interested in. But the more grit you have, the more of that invisible power that you possess and you give out to your thoughts and your dreams, the more likely you are to succeed. That I know for sure. And my first guest has grit by the bucket load, Karen Millen, a name synonymous with the high street and one that evokes so many memories. I mean, I used to love going into Karen Millen on Oxford Street. I worked in Baker Street, 
as a young executive and I would spend lots of my lunch breaks in there. And I never quite knew why I felt that Karen Millen was a different type of fit and perfect for my work wardrobe. But after Karen told me that basically it was all cut at the beginning of the process as if it was couture, it seemed to make sense. And then I was lucky enough to speak to her myself I think her business story is the most heartbreaking and incredible example of the greatest highs and the lowest of lows, much like the roller coaster analogy I use at the end of each podcast. Tell me, it was a very painful time for you. It was very difficult for you and your family. And I, I believe that you also were a victim of fraud, losing a lot of money and being declared bankrupt and losing your home. I mean, this, Karen, is a huge amount for anyone to go through. How did you get through it? Um, with the support, I think, of family and friends. And I think just being the person that I am, I'm pretty resilient. I've been brought up very well and loved, cared for, and I'm very grounded. And I think having come from nothing... I can appreciate what that is and what that feels like. And I'm able to adapt to other ways of living. And I've had to. Uh, but having said that, you know, you look back and reflect and, you know, you can't have too many regrets. There's certain things I'd change, but really that's what makes you who you are. Um, I'm not going to lie. You know, obviously there's been times when, when I've hit rock bottom, but... Um, I always feel, you know, I always look ahead and stay positive, really. And I think that's a strength that I've always had. Um, and it's helped me through a very difficult time. When you went through all of this, were you able to, um, were you able to learn the lessons as you were going through it? Or has it just been in retrospect? You know, we, it's it's actually, if I'm honest with you, Karen, there are many women who go through, business women, and I'm sure you know, I won't name them, but you must know, go through such times of turbulence. And actually there is a, I don't know if you agree or disagree and and, and do tell me, you feel like you can't speak out about it because potentially we're already fighting for that place as being a businesswoman or being viewed as a business serious person and to be respected. And so actually we've already fought for that to then show weakness or to show um, the war scars. We tend to hold back. We tend to hold that information back, which means there's a whole group of women, I think, business women, who've got these terrible stories, mm. but we don't get to actually hear them. There's probably men as well. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, like you say, um, we don't like to admit to failing, mm -hmm. doing things wrong, especially when you've been successful. So it is a hard thing to come to terms with, but I think it's becoming easier in the sense you're doing what you're doing. And I think that's great. And you are giving women and not just women, uh, men and women, a platform to speak and tell their story and open up. And, and, you know, it's through listening to all these stories that you realise that you're not alone. You know, we all go through these things, but it was a bit of a taboo subject, particularly sort of, you know, 20 years ago, maybe. Mm. Um, there's so much access to knowledge now that we are more open and able to be more open about things. You know, and some people say, oh, don't keep telling people about that. I'm thinking, why not? You know, I'm not embarrassed by it. Of course, it's, it's not something that I'm pleased happened, but 
it happened and I can't just tuck it under the carpet and pretend. I've dealt with it and I'm moving on. The strength Karen showed through her journey and her resilience in forging a new path was incredible. And I think the power to share our own lessons, our biggest lows with others, takes such bravery for women to have to dig deep and share the rawest moments, the ones that we try and hide from absolutely everybody, takes everything. But my goodness, the impact it makes for other women is like nothing else. I like to think of it like a ripple effect and that through Karen and others sharing these stories, they impact the mindset of others more than they'll ever have dared to imagine. I've welcomed so many wonderful, fearless women who dare to demand things are done differently. And there are very few who encompass this rebellious nature more than my dear guest who joined me back in April, Sophie Morgan. Sophie was paralysed when she crashed her car at such a young age. And yet how she talks about her own ableism and her commitment to driving change in society was awe-inspiring. I love the challenge. I think somebody asked this, they said, you know, why do you love change? And I love change. Some people are terrified of change. And I find that fascinating because I think, what's the worst that can happen? And perhaps that's the answer is that for me, this, the worst that could happen, you know, I nearly died and I was completely paralyzed. And I just really enjoy pushing myself, learning more, going into places that I never thought I'd be. And, and I, part of me thinks it's a, it's the long journey to unpacking that ableism in me and going, okay, so hold on. What do you think you can't do? Okay. Why do you think that you can't do that? Who's told you that? Where did you get that from? Was that you or was that someone else? Is that true? Let's go and find out. Maybe it is true. Maybe it's not. But if it's not, what happens next? And that kind of line of questioning is just there all the time. And I think I have to say, given my limitations, given my physical restrictions, given all of that and living as, as a wheelchair user, which in itself, as much as I love my wheelchair, it's only so, there's only so far it can, it can go. Um, it's, it is quite limiting in, in itself. I think given all of that, if I layered into my life this idea that, oh, I'm scared of something, so I'm not going to do it, then I'm... I'm stopping myself from doing something and then I'm doubly disabled. It's not just my body and my wheelchair that's stopping me. It's also me that's stopping me. So I'm like, right, okay, Sophie, have a word with yourself. What are you worried about here? What is it that's stopping you? And so honestly, Holly, half of the things that I do, I'm terrified of. I'm terrified of live broadcasting. I'm terrified of jumping out of an aeroplane. You know, I, I have the same fears as anybody else, right? I'm a normal human being. But what I have, in, which is different, is this lived experience that taught me, oh, actually, you can go through something and you can get out the other side. It can, it can be really hard, but on the other side of the fear, that's where the freedom is. So off you go, try it, give it a go. You never know. And so actually, I've come to learn that when there's something scary in the way, I lean into it. And I actually go, some people go, oh, I'm scared I won't do it. I'll go, oh, I'm scared I have to do it now, you know. I can't wait to see Sophie's year ahead and follow her journey. And I have no doubt that she will make such a huge impact in the world. Someone to watch for sure. And a woman equally determined to make a positive impact on the world is Sue Finesse. And what an amazing force 
she is. The moment I met her, we had an instant connection, almost magnetic. And I know it sounds odd, but trust me on this. I don't know if you two have ever met a platonic kindred spirit. I think it's rare, but I can honestly say that that's what it was like when I met Sue for the first time. Energetic, visionary, passionate champion of those around her. And with a vision so big and so brilliant, with an idea so revolutionary to create fundamental long-term impact in the world, it was nothing short of a miracle and genius combined. And then you actually meet that person. I can't put it in words, but if you don't know about it, please immediately go and sign up. We Are 8 is turning the social media world on its head and revolutionising the current state of play by putting the power back in the user's hands. No evil algorithm, no hate speech. And instead, it not only compensates you for your time when you watch an advert, but you then can vote with your money for the values you care for most. Her vision is huge, and I'm saying possibly one of the biggest ever to be shared on this podcast, and a woman I deeply admire. Tell me what the ultimate dream is for you. So when you look back at 64, you'll still be doing this, I'm sure, what would you hope to have achieved? I think together we can create a new sustainable economic framework so that that is just free-flowing and the new normal, where two billion people are voting on collective issues, that we have a really healthy planet because we've pumped billions of dollars back into it, where we have a healthy, thriving, creative economy and people are have a source of support to do that, and where we're collaborating across the whole ecosystem with each other in ways that we haven't imagined. And and that's where it's infinite, right? It's mm. sustainable and it's infinite. And that I cannot even imagine. I mean, we, we I was looking at Charity Water, a charity that I really love because they have well sponsors that fund all of the organisation and then every cent you, every pound you put towards them or every dollar goes to a project. And so it's fully transparent and I absolutely love them. And we were imagining a world where a billion people donating a dollar from their wallet through to Charity Water, imagine that happening in a day, right? So a billion people getting a Coca-Cola ad. And look, you could say as an activist for the planet, do you accept ads from Coca-Cola? Yes, we do, but it's your choice whether you want to watch it. We don't accept oil companies. But imagine eight brands sending out eight ads to a billion people today. We're getting a dollar and we're paying it forward to to charity water. That's a billion dollars in the water coffers to help get 800 million people fresh water. So it's this, so imagine every month then all I want to do is once this ecosystem is all built and thriving, I just want to invent amazing things that we can solve together to make it so fun. Imagine getting a message, push notification, Holly, good morning. Guess what today? We're going to end the water crisis. No fucking way. Are you kidding me? 
Yes, that's what oh we're going to do. God, Sue. <laughs> I mean, this is killing me. I'm literally so excited. I can barely even oh, speak and you. finish this podcast. Oh, the- what are you saying? I mean, I would literally just jump out of my bed. I'd watch my ads. I would get paid and I would pay it forward. And then I would want you to say something to me tomorrow as well. And this is what you're saying, that we could actually, in every single day of our lives, you know, not just moan at the TV, and expect other people to do it, you're putting the power in our hands. I mean, I told you it was a big vision. Please do go and download We Are Eight. It is truly an amazing, beautiful platform and one that we really need to encourage everyone to embrace and advocate. Well, as the year is drawing to a close and we're now in the final Christmas push, I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting people's dreams by listening to this podcast and by shopping from the small businesses on holly.co. You've heard about the crushing failures, but also how people have risen from the ashes to achieve the seemingly impossible to make a living doing what they love. So I'd also like to thank you personally for inspiring me. By supporting this marketplace and everything we stand for, you are helping prove to the world that there is another way to do business, a better way. One where you can discover incredible, never-before-seen products, but also one where working women benefit, communities thrive, and the gifts we buy are handcrafted and made for the long term. And remember, we are more than a marketplace, in fact. We have all kinds of creative ideas and business advice too. So if you fancy making 2024 the year you follow your heart and try something new, we've got plenty of no-nonsense resources to help you do just that. I wish you all the luck in the world and thanks again. Now, back to our conversation of inspiration. So before we invite each guest, we do a little bit of research just to check that we feel that they really will bring a new insight or perspective to this podcast. Now with over 180 stories shared in this wonderful library, we've covered lots of topics. So many highs and lows and unbelievable tales. I hope you agree. But the life of my next guest was unlike any that I have encountered before and probably will again. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that Tanya San, the founder of Ghosts, Extraordinary Life, should be a movie. We only have a few minutes to share from this hour-long episode. However, I can absolutely guarantee you that the story that Tanya is about to tell from the early part of her life on her move to LA is not what you might expect. I felt lost the whole time I was there because in London I'd been independent. I'd had work, I had my own life, and suddenly I'm married to this man in Los Angeles where everybody wants to know about him and no one wants to know about me. I wasn't taking Mm. drugs, I wasn't famous, and I wasn't seducible. Yes. So I was completely, I was... I was miserable, miserable as hell. Yeah. And um, and then, of course, when um, we were invited to stay with... Uh, Ro- My husband was friends with Roman Polanski. And Roman was going to Europe to make a film. And he asked us to stay with his pregnant wife, Sharon, uh, to keep her company whilst he was away and look after her. I refused 
because my, my independent streak said to me, I'm not going to live with this woman. You know, you're going to say, is it all right if I make a cup of tea? <gasps> I, I wanted my own kitchen and my own life. So I flatly refused and we ended up, we got our own house. And of course, Sharon and all her friends were murdered. With the Manson um, murders, is that right? The, Man- the Manson murders, yes. Gosh. And gosh, I felt, I felt so proud of myself that I had refused to go and live with her. Um, what an escape. What a story. What an escape. Mm. I mean, you became, after this time, well, you were pregnant and you had your children, Claudia and William, during this period. And then a couple of years later, your husband left for Brazil. And again, going back to this, um, I feel like an energy in you, you decided to just follow him months later and you had no idea. This is before technology. You had no idea actually in Brazil where he was. And despite this, you boarded a flight with two young children, a little bit of money in your pocket, and you went to find him. And you ended up living in several small Brazilian towns, eventually destitute. Your husband was around less and less. And you had these two small children in a strange company. Tanya, this sounds like a Hollywood movie. How did you cope? (laughs) With difficulty. I worked for a while in Brazil after I got better. I had very bad hepatitis there, I think, from the water. I was teaching the fishermen the words of some songs which they loved in return for fish in the last place we lived in, the last little village, which was beautiful, by the way. I mean, it was so It was breathtakingly beautiful, the beaches and the sea. Mm. So there were sort of positive aspects to it. But in the end, yes, it was in in the end, we we couldn't survive anymore. Um, My children were, my daughter had worms and they were slightly, we were getting malnutritioned. And anyway, it was time for my daughter to go to school. Did you find your husband? I, oh, I found him, yes. I I, uh, I found him at the very beginning. I'd written to an address he'd given to me and uh, I didn't know if he'd get the letter, if he'd know I was arriving, but he did. And he met me at the airport. And we, we did have some very pleasant times together in Brazil. But he had got into Macumba, which is sort of Brazilian black magic, Brazilian witchcraft. So when I was when I had hepatitis, he dragged me down to the sea to wash me in the sea because he said the goddess Yemanja, the goddess of the sea, would cure me, and of course she didn't. But um, I did get better, and uh, my husband went through some very strange, strange, strange incantations there, and I left yes. him. In, I left him in Brazil eventually and came back to England. And so Tanya's story continues from there, and she would go on to create Ghost. She recounts stories of Kate Moss and the supermodels, of loss, her unbelievable addiction, and coming out the other side as a survivor. It's a truly incredible, if not mind-boggling, story. And from one woman who has lived the most extraordinary life, to a young woman at the very start of her journey, your feedback after hearing my next two guests was an outpouring of pure love. The relationship between a father and daughter, Kitty and Al Tate, was just beautiful. There's genuinely no other words for it. In fact, you'll hear it simply from this clip. <laughs> 
Kitty's Kits was created after Kitty left school at 14 after struggling with her mental health. Her brand now has its own product line, a bakery and a book and also gives free bread classes and kits to schools, prisons, food banks and community groups. Hearing how her father, Al, has supported her on this journey and the belief in the shared vision, well, I can do it no justice. So here they are in their own words. Can you believe that what started with that bonding between you both, the recovery of depression, is now potentially helping children understand how to cook, prisoners feeling confidence, you know, thinking of getting maybe a skill coming out of prison. Because Mm. I spoke to uh, Katie Emk, who's the founder of Fine Cell Works, and they're a social enterprise that teaches prisoners to embroider um, things and they shine a light on creativity and and locking self-belief in these prisoners who really don't know what they're going to do afterwards. What's your feeling, Al, about that? And is that going to be an important part of your worlds moving forward? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think what we've got, the, 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 the strange thing is that we've almost gone full circle. So that, that same recipe that, that Kitty talked about, that she saw me do all that time ago, that started her on this journey is exactly what Kitty's kits are. Mm. You know, it's this, yes. this incredibly simple, no need recipe that looks like wallpaper paste and turns into something extraordinary. And knowing that other people are going to be pulling out, well, we get it the whole time. People send kitty fantastic videos or pictures of themselves or their children or grandchildren or whoever, or their uh, yeah, school children pulling loaves from ovens and just going, oh, you know, I made yes. this, I made this. <laughs> And it's it's absolutely brilliant. And I think, yeah, Kitty talks about being a feeder, which she is, but she's also um, at the risk of sounding a bit more because she's very good at feeding people's belief, self-belief. Mm. I think that's what you know, she's doing with Kitty's Kids mm. is that she's feeding into this possibility of what people can do with bread. I think it's amazing. So, no, it, I, I'm, I'm staggered. And, uh, but I... I keep on learning from her. And that's the the other nice sort of flip round going back to our conversation about education at the beginning. It's, yeah. He's so generous saying that, but also, I mean, I couldn't do any of this without him. We always think of ourselves like architects and builders and I'm like an architect and I have all these ideas, but if I was to build a house, I would build it from the ground up and I build it very, very fast and it would probably fall down at the slightest bit of wind or weather. And dad is like my builder. He builds the foundations. He builds the scaffolding around me. He makes sure that I won't fall down and that it's sustainable and it can weather anything. The importance of family is never more acute than in the story of Henry Fraser who without a doubt is right up there as one of the most inspirational people I've ever had the privileges of connecting with. His story was hard to hear, especially having a son who is a similar age to when Henry had his accident. But I left this podcast with a feeling of gratitude and understanding of the power of the zest for life and the impact having a positive outlook can have. The story epitomises the belief that even in the darkest of times, there is always light to be found. And Henry's words, I hope, stay with you forever. 
And I know that they will for me and ones that I will hold tight actually for the rest of my life. When you came back to the UK, I read that you were in a a room with no natural daylight. And after weeks in this dark room, I read that you wrote, when I'd been lying on my back for weeks in a windowless room and craved sunlight so much, I thought I would wither away without it and was then taken outside. I didn't know how to process the gratitude I felt for something that I'd never even thought about before. Your words sort of stopped me in my tracks. You were filled with gratitude. And I think we are told that we should be grateful for what we have, the little things, and as the title of your book says, the little big things. And I know you've spoken before about finding these beauty in these unexpected places. And let's face it, Henry, not you know, I know many people, I have to say, that do not live in gratitude. It's something I think that if you can ever find that, you're lucky. (laughs) Tell me about this because it must have been so many dark places that you travelled into. How do you not become a victim in those moments? I mean, yeah, before my accident, I definitely took everything I had for granted, without a shadow of a doubt. I had countless opportunities kind of presented to me. I had so many things I could have done, but I didn't do. So when I had my accident, I went five weeks without seeing any daylight. The weeks I was in Portugal, I was at windowless room there. Came back to England, windowless room there. It was yeah, like I'd never, ever seen it before in my life. It just made me feel something. It's like the first time I tasted water, where I was allowed to eat or drink for weeks and weeks and weeks. The closest thing I got to drink was on a sponge that was on the end of a stick that had been dipped in a cup of water. And I was able to suck on that. And it was only a few drops of water, but again, it's like I never tasted water and it just kind of this huge wave over me of gratitude and just joy in that moment. And suddenly I was experiencing joy at the lowest kind of level possible. Suddenly it was everything that was happening was joy, was this tasting water, seeing the sunlight, going out in the sunlight, feeling the warmth on my face, just looking out a window and seeing nature and everything like that. Suddenly... You look around and go, oh, these are happy moments. These are joyful moments. But we're so consumed by other things. And we're always told happiness and joy comes from, you know, big moments, big changes in our lives or buying something new, buying something better. Yes, those moments can be joyful and happy. No question. But when you realize that joy is in those smallest, most minute details of our lives, suddenly realize it's everywhere. It's so abundant, we've just become totally numb to it. That's why negative moments really hurt us and hit us hard, because they're the small moments in our lives. They're few and far between, so when they do hit us, we're not kind of ready and prepared for them. But when you experience those tiny joys, you're in a much better headspace to you know, deal with those issues and deal with those problems when they do come and move on faster and get back to enjoying life again. And People think practice and gratitude is about you know, wake up in the morning and going through a checklist and in your head of going, okay, today I'm grateful for this and this, you know, sunlight, daylight, whatever. But being grateful and practicing gratitude is thinking about things. And when you feel gratitude towards them, they make you feel happy. Those things you should be grateful for. And that can change every day. That can be a different thing. It doesn't matter. But it shouldn't just be a checklist because that's just a pointless exercise. If it makes you feel good and happy, fantastic. And doing that every day. And for me, I did that for 
years every morning, just in my head. Before I'd have my carer come in and get me ready, I'd go through these things in my head. And it just set me off on such a good start of the day. And it just becomes second nature. And eventually you just don't think about them. You just see them and they make you feel good. And you experience them in a way that you never thought possible. The most beautiful sentiment and the most beautiful soul. It is an episode that I know I will return to time and time again. And I hope that you will too. As we come to the end of this episode... I wanted to finish up with one of both mine and your favourite guests from the year. In fact, when I asked on Instagram for everyone's most memorable guest, Mark Shaler came up time and time again. Some of you, I am sure, have been fans of Mark for a long time. But for any of you who don't know him, he's a thinker, a doer, a creator and an author of two do books. And I promise you, if you didn't know him before this podcast, you'll be keen to follow him after. He is just this incredible brain and a way of thinking about our world and not only imagining a better future for society, but the tangible steps to get us there. So it felt apt to end here on a topic close to us all as a community, because it's you, it's me, it's all of us here today in this moment, right now, not together physically, but connected through stories of others, connected through opening our minds to endless possibilities, through a shared I suppose, commitment to progress and ultimately, as I shared at the start of this podcast, the unwavering grit and determination that I see shining through this community every single day. This is definitely the start of something new. The high street is in a mess. People don't want to leave their home often to get the things that they need. And yet they will use shopping as a leisure activity, almost as an antidepressant. And I understand the participation benefits of that. So what does that mean? We've got banks leaving the high street faster than you can shake a stick. You've got estate agents moving in, but we're about to see a big house price drop. So maybe some of those will will disappear. You've got all this incredible space. What can we do with it? And I'll tell you who did this beautifully. Gary V talked about this beautifully with regards to Toys R Us. He talked about two things with Toys R Us. Number one, Toys R Us subcontracted their distribution and their fulfillment to Amazon. Foolish, because then everyone's going to Amazon, not to Toys R Us. Foolish. Number two, (laughs) if Toys R Us became the place to go and play, play and creativity is the center of business as much as it is the center of the childhood. If you could go and learn how to make Play-Doh there, right? Okay, it might be cutting your throat in terms of not selling Play-Doh, but you'll sell more ingredients for making Play-Doh. If you could find a reason to go in and play, then you'll spend money. So I've worked with some big high street names on retail over the last two years. And the word that runs through all of that work is community. Can we create something where others want to sit with you, want to be with you, not just to buy my stuff, Amazing. You've got to make a profit, otherwise you're not a business. But come in and learn. Come in and grow. This is beyond retailtainment. This is creating a place where people want to be. Oh, and by the way, we also sell Mm. jumpers, slacks, whatever it might be that is also available there. Great coffee, all of that. But you have to have a reason to go in. Now, if we expand that thought a little bit, and you can see that with retail, I've got loads of ideas for that and retail. But if you expand that thought to those places that are really devastating the high street, the banks, they're just disappearing. 
think about what you could do, right? Think, just pick any of the banks. I don't mind, but we'll just pick Barclays because they're just, the, I can see the blue in my mind. But you pick Barclays yeah. or a bank. A bank is all about creating and maintaining a healthy relationship with money. It should be, right? That's what a bank should do. Yes. If you think about the way we manage money and you look at the space that's in a bank and you say, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to develop some startup hubs, sponsored, i.e. they give the space over. We put a few of the bank managers into entrepreneurial mode because they always wanted to be. They've only ended up being a bank manager because they couldn't hack it with their own business, right? So you create this amazing (laughs) learning space where people can come in and there's a personal finance bit. And obviously you don't need to bank with Barclays to be there, but the chances are you will if you've learned something from them. And then you create these incredibly well-connected, super high-speed connections, video booths, podcast booths, and you just say, yeah, use them, use them. We're over here if you want banking Mm. advice. If you can create a little hub, you could just see this whole different, vibrant community emerging out of a redundant building that that always felt like deposit, withdrawal, deposit, withdrawal. No, no, this is where we come up with new ideas. Just Imagine what it could be. I live in Ashby, right next to Ashby Delazouche, and it's a little market town, and its high street needs some love. And most people would say, what we really need is an H&M. No, that's not what, I'm not knocking them. They're amazing business, but that's not what Ashby needs. It would literally put every other clothing business out of business, right? So let's think about what each city, each town needs, and let's bring markets back, and let's make it cheap. There's a space in Ashby, the market space in Ashby, if I wanted to rent a stall on the market, the internal market, um, I can't remember what the prices are. It's something in the region of £700 a month just to rent the space. £700 a month before I've paid anyone, made any profit. Mm. That is, I can, get a, I can get a shop cheaper than that. How do we create a bridge? How do we create a holding hand for people to move from an idea into maybe a retail business, maybe a food business, doesn't matter to me. And how does that then bring more life back into a town so that the town can breathe and grow? Each week, I'm joined by our wonderful partners at Dell Technologies. They're passionate supporters of small businesses right across the UK through free resources and networks like Dwen, Dell Women's Entrepreneur Network, championing female founders and helping them thrive. Dwen is a community of brilliant women that covers far more than just tech. In fact, alongside webinars and forums, you'll have access to mentors, investors and advisors from across the world. Dell Technologies recently commissioned the only global gender-specific study on how cities support women-owned businesses, transforming insights into actions with policymakers and investors in Dwen's global impact on women in business. To find out more about Dwen and how to sign up, head to dwen.com. Now, back to our conversation of inspiration. So it's the time of this podcast, dear listener. You know it well, where I hand over to my guest. So this week, I have had the very difficult job of picking a letter, and it was so tricky that I couldn't pick just one. So I hope you'll indulge me with the two I have included here. Before I do go, I want to thank you, as always, for joining me each week. 
I know how busy your lives are, how much you have going on and how much you're juggling and managing at any one point in time. And so I don't take it for granted that you make space for me and my guests each week in your world. I hope that you have the most wonderful end to the year and I'm sending you all my love and I leave you with the poignant words of Rio Ferdinand and Sophie Morgan. It's difficult for me to write this letter to myself because to the outside world, it must look like success has always been at my feet. But the honest me looks at my feet and sees something very different. It sees a journey. They were brave enough to be wrapped in ballet shoes and withstand the lovely comments I got from my friends when I was 14. Strong enough to carry me into football, but more than anything, they always carried me home. Whenever there is success, it really is the people around you. My parents who sacrificed for their son, my family, those who saw something inside me to ignite, something I probably didn't even see in myself at the time. And over time, with dedication and commitment from them, Every game, every football training, every disappointment, every loss, every win, every time, they always believed in me. They always saw their son. Eat, sleep, football, repeat. They never let me stop believing that my biggest, craziest dreams are possible. They always helped me see that the ball can be kicked beyond the council estate. I wish I'd said thank you and I love you more often, but hey, that's me. Team was everything to me. And great coaching showed me so much more than how to win in a championship. It taught me dedication. Those moments when you are tired and doubt yourself, but you stride forward anyway. Loyalty, making everyone around you shine. Remember, without them, you are nothing. Get over yourself. Trust your gut and learn from your journey. Trust, 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 and never, never, never give up. Show up, always, and be your best. I've known fear. Fear of losing, fear of loss, and I survived and kept walking. I have known home, what it feels like to be loved and to love deeply, and yet I know, deep in my soul, that the best is yet to come. Because this life, this one wild and precious life, has shown me that none of this would have been possible or would have happened without the fans, the people. And people are hurting. They're scared, they're lonely and they can't get food on the table or heat in their homes. When people are tired, I'm not gonna sit there on the sidelines. I wanna fight for them. I will stand against injustice and bring it home. I've represented my family, I've represented my country, but now I feel that I need to represent my fans, all of the fans, the people. And that's why I ate the people's platform is my chance to do this. I saw that chance immediately, a chance to give everyone around the world technology that serves them, a loving home where our community becomes one big blended global family, where we see each other, we see each other celebrate, we celebrate each other and we support each other, where we stop pretending and start discovering and learning, where we disagree respectfully, because that's needed and that's right, and learn to meet somewhere in the middle. The word United has taken a whole new meaning for me and my family lately. I love my club, but imagine what is possible when two billion people on our amazing planet stand together, united, when they choose to be part of creating a better world and see their amazing power that they have to change the world. Because 
This time, the fans are the team and it needs to be hundreds of millions of people strong, standing together and taking small actions every single day. And cheer, because when we do this together, we can save our amazing planet and be the change that we want to see. Now, the older I get, the more I realise it is the simple things that make me happy. My beautiful wife, Kate, who I spoke about earlier, my four beautiful children, who make me smile every day, and the one that is growing inside Kate right now, God knows what she's going to be like. When I look into the faces of my children, I see what is possible, what can be done, that everything is possible. But more than anything, I see their hearts and their beautiful honesty, their innocence, their kindness, and their little feet. And they see my little feet, my truth inside the big feet that carry me now. I'm ready. Well, hi. It's good to see you again. I try hard not to spend too much time in thought about you, but here we are. So here we go. I see you there in your tattered school uniform, your tall athletic frame, dressed in the way that you like it. The puffer jacket, splattered with holes from cigarette burns, snug and in your mind flattering, like the skirt that you've hitched up to the perfect height to hide some of those absolutely pointless insecurities you have, but also to flaunt those strong and powerful legs of yours. I suppose I look at your body first and foremost, as to me, it's so beautiful now, and I know how little you appreciate it. How does it feel to be in that body though, Sophie? To be so able, to play all those sports, to run with your friends, to walk beside your boyfriend, to be so able and to be so free. Do you even think about it? But look, I also see you and I know how hard you're finding it all right now. You are itching for freedom. School has been really hard for you. All the rules and the regulations and the authorities telling you what you can and can't do. I know what you write about in your diaries. I know the freedom that you seek because I seek it too, Sophie. I seek it too, always. So look, a part of me has toyed with the idea of writing to you before, when I was at the lowest point in my life, when I lost my ability to know how to keep going, when I was drowning in all of the loss and the grief, and when thoughts of you and where you might be should things have been different became too much for me. I thought about writing to you to warn you. I really did. I thought about coming up to Scotland with a list of instructions to tell you what, over the next few months, you ought to do differently. I wanted to try and make you see just how much you have to beg you to savour the times that you might take for granted right now. And ultimately, I thought about attempting to change your fate. But now here I am, where I am today, and currently I have no intention of doing that. You see, it's been nearly 20 years since I stood where you are, and so much has happened. But I know that despite how hard it got for me, my life has been extraordinary, perhaps more extraordinary than yours would have been. So let me tell you a bit about it. Life for me, Sophie, is filled with adventure, a passion and purpose. I now have the type of friendships that stories are written about. People who have gotten me through the darkest days imaginable. People who make me laugh till I fall over. People who carry me places I never dreamed of. People who are by my side no matter what crazy shit I do. Friendships so lasting and so loving that they are tattooed onto our skin. 
And I even have friendships with my mother and my father that I know you would balk at. We dance together, we party together, we cry and we sing and we get through so much together. And I've been lucky enough to find the people in my parents. They saved my life and I owe them everything. And who gets to thank their parents for giving them life twice? My job is wonderful too, don't get me wrong, it's been tough to get here, but it's really all that I dreamed of now that I am here. And the people I get to meet and the places I get to go as a TV presenter, honestly, it's the stuff that you write about in those diaries of yours. You would love it. I help people and I advocate for people. And I get to be part of a community that I adore, surrounded by people who see the world so differently, who embody so many of the traits that I love, that I know that you love too. People who are creative and bold and outliers, who live on the margins of life and have a different perspective to others. You would love them. So I'm not going to tell you what will happen to you, but I will tell you this, however, that you have everything that you need in you to get through it all. That all that tenacity, all that anger, all that drive that you have, it will save you. So don't let anyone tell you that being so difficult is something that to, to be ashamed of. Difficult girls like you become powerful women like me. So keep that fire in you alive, no matter what. And know this too, your life will not be what you expect it to be. So try and enjoy the ride. Listen to your mum, you get your strength from her and learn from your dad. You get your values from him. The rebel in you will one day find its cause. So be brave and be open-minded and be kind. And one day we will meet and reconcile our differences and I'll forgive you for what you do to me. Because if you didn't, I wouldn't be the woman I am today. I wouldn't be the version of you that I am today. So go big, be brave. Love, Sophie. Thank you for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this episode, can I ask that you share it with a friend and like, subscribe and review it too, so that together we can inspire even more people to follow their dreams, to build a life they love. Mm-hmm.